As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today on the podcast, we have um, a good family friend of mine, someone who I've got to know pretty well over the past year and a half, and um, she's actually been living, she's been my, my roommate, me and my mom's roommate, living with us, and um, through conversations, through getting to know her, you know, she has really been through a lot but just the way she carries herself you know it's very hard to tell that you know she's carrying all this pain and, and she does such a good job of just you know being herself and you know being such an open-minded person and I had asked her you know do you want to hop on the podcast maybe talk about your story and uh, she said she was down for it and so I convinced her to get on the podcast and uh you know she's supposed to get on a couple of days ago kept delaying it a little bit but um welcome to the podcast mega thank you for that introduction yep yeah so i want this to be like more of like a conversation you know i want it to sound natural i really don't want it to sound like scripted you know just us talking about you know, like your life through your lens and um what you experienced and hopefully you know the audience can take at least one thing away from what you have to say today Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to first ask you, like, where are you from? Um, yeah, where are you from? So um, my family background, uh, we're from India. My parents are both from India. I was born there. I did come to America very young. I was raised, I was pretty much raised here. I don't remember. I mean, I, th I think I came here when I was two and a half. So I don't have a lot of uh, memory of living in India before we moved here permanently, but I yeah. have been back since. So that's our our origin is yeah. from India. Why did your Why did your parents come to America? If you remember, well, you know, my dad um, came first, and he was away from my mom and 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 my brothers and I for several years, trying to establish some sort of foundation. Yeah. Um, but it was, I mean, the same re same reason that a lot of immigrants, you know, came came here during that time. It's just better opportunities, uh, just a way to make more money, just to have a better future. It, it does unlock some doors. It does make things a little bit easier to be here and progress forward. What was it like, you know, growing up in a first generation household, you know, being around parents who didn't grow up in America? It was, we lived in a little India. It was my, uh, <laughs> my parents, um, really did create kind of a microcosm of what they were used to, what they had grown up and all of our, you know, all, everything in the house was all of our decor was Indian. The food was Indian. The music that you would wake up to on the weekends was Indian. Everything there was, I mean, as much as we could get 
access to at that time because there wasn't satellite TV. There wasn't, you know, you couldn't re, uh, you couldn't listen to or watch Indian news because it just wasn't as, you know, available. Phone calls back home would be, you know, five minutes would cost you 20, 30 bucks just wow. to talk for a few minutes, you know. And so they, we, we really did. Uh, my mom wore Indian clothes every day. We, everything was Indian. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I was in ESL until I started school in kindergarten in America yeah. and I was still in ESL until the, about the fifth grade. So you can imagine, wow. I mean, we didn't speak any English. Sheesh. When did you, when did you start learning English? Um, going into school, I started learning a little bit at a time of a funny story about when I was in kindergarten, I missed the bus and I went into the office to tell them while I was, why I was late. And actually the school's principal was standing there and I, you know, I turned to her and I said, teacher, (laughs) I lost my bus and she just lost it. And she was real, she was a real sweet lady. And she just was like, Oh, Julie, you lost your, you lost my bus. I need my bus to pick up the kids. And, you know, even years later, I remember, um, that was in kindergarten. I remember in like, fourth grade i've walked by her in the hallway and she's like did you ever find my bus i mean she just from you know it was it was really funny but that was that was what it was so i you know i slowly picked up english um it was hard to make friends as a first generation and especially at that time because there weren't a lot of indian kids around so um i you know i did my best to learn but i was also i have that you know kind of asian mind right so it it was just very very sharp learner. And I was always very good at the math and sciences, but the language, it came because I worked and, you know, having anything less than perfect grades was completely unacceptable. So, Oh gosh. Yeah. All of those, those stereotypes are true. (laughs) What would you just get like, what, just grounded or like just looked down upon in your family for the bad grades? You know, they just stood over your shoulder and made sure that you read and studied and read and studied until every single question was right. And that's all that was important. Uh, did your did your parents like want you to live up to a certain like expectation in terms of like a job, or did they want you to be like the typical well, like doctor, doctor, lawyer, engineer? That's really? the trifecta. I mean, as you know, when you any any Indian will tell you that those are the three options. That's great. So, what if you <laughs> yeah. were just like mom? Like, I want to be. So, like, what did you want to be when you? What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I didn't really have any uh, specific aspirations when I was that young. I was just trying to make sense of the world around me because I was struggling with understanding two different languages, two different cultures, um, completely different cuisines. uh, And we grew up in a vegetarian household. So at that time, especially the country didn't, you know, just it was a new concept. So I was very limited on food. So I was constantly just trying to understand how to survive through that. And, uh, and, you know, um, having parents that, uh, have a certain vision for your life and a certain expectation from your behavior. Um, they are very focused and, and uh, on that. So they didn't necessarily, um, think about all those, those other things. Um, so growing up, what I wanted to be was really, it's, it's funny because you see what's important, right? Yeah. Um, and you see what gets the most respect and recognition. And so just like, I, you know, any, any girl that grew up at that time and tells you that she didn't want to be a Bollywood actress is lying to you. <laughs> so you like Indian girl. Yeah. That's, yeah because <laughs> oh, that Bollywood was, actress. Yeah. What is Bollywood? I have no idea what that is. Well, Bollywood is, uh, India's Hollywood. Bollywood is a, is bigger through, 
worldwide Bollywood is a uh, is much more popular than uh, even Hollywood. Yeah. As far as movies, they put out a lot of movies. A lot of money goes into it. Bollywood is India's movie industry. What was so enticing about Bollywood for you as a young child? Well, you know, it was kind of where uh, all the glamour was, yeah. right? All the cool clothes, all the, the the friends, the popularity. It was just fun. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. And and also, you know, my parents were, were very hard workers. My father was incredibly intelligent. He... Um, left a high post uh, where he was. He had he he'd really accomplished a lot to come here, but he he came here. He had to drive a cab, and so you know th- their professions. A lot of times you have, you know you have a family, and their profession can seem the natural way to go, but they didn't want us to go anywhere near yeah. what they were doing. They didn't want you to experience what right. they experienced. Right. Well, uh-huh. they, they didn't want us to, uh, you know, work the jobs that they were working. Yeah. So, so that was kind of not an option to say, okay, my parents do this. This was what makes sense. Let me head in that direction. So we kind of had to make that up on our own. Um, doctors, lawyers, and engineers were all, you know, at that time, it was all very foreign to me. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I never saw what that was, only what they really it was just the roles that were played by actors as yeah. a doctor, lawyer, yeah. or engineer in a movie, right? Yeah. So, you know, that was the, the profession that was um, immediately the most enticing. Yeah, that makes sense. What about your relationship with your siblings growing up? Was that something? Um, We, well, we're far in age. So um, it was, and I I was the youngest and I was the only girl. So there was some disconnect there. We didn't, um, they were also trying to figure out um, just how to get through high school. I mean, imagine I came in in elementary school. Everyone's a little bit disoriented going into school the first time, no matter what yeah. race you come from. But they went in in middle school and high school, so that must have that been for them even more, you know, um, confusing. So they didn't really bother with me yeah. too much because yeah. they were just trying to uh, also just trying to uh, get through. It also it so. is a lot harder to connect with uh, a sibling, especially when, you know, like you're, you're a girl and then you have an older brother who's a lot older than you. It's like hard right. to connect on a lot of things, you know, a lot and of times. And also, also it's, um, Indian culture is is kind of a male centric culture. Okay. So uh, they, you know, you almost as a as a girl, you you're you start off and and it, you're kind of predestined for a few things. So there's not really that much that's very interesting about you. Hmm. You know, when you say predestined, it just means like you're well, you're gonna get married, yeah. and you're gonna have a you know, hopefully you get parents that'll um, you know you'll have a good solid career. You'll be you'll be smart and you'll be obedient. And that's even like when you come to America, that's still yeah. It's it's the way that it's supposed to be. Wow. You know, you should know how to cook. You should know how to run a household, but also you know you should be smart. You know, my, my yeah. dad was was orthodox in some ways, but in other ways, he really did want, you know, he, he wanted us to have a, a he wanted me especially also to have a solid education and not be, yeah. you know, so but but that's not interesting to, you know, teenage boys. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's like, OK, whatever. It's just my annoying little sister, you know. Yeah. So what did um what did your mom do at the time? I know your dad drove um, for, for some time. 
I mean, they, they worked very hard. My, my, uh, my mom and dad just to kind of get by, I mean, my dad went from having a high post in, uh, the embassy in India and being, you know, at a pretty decent ranking in the military, he went to, um, driving a, a cab and my, and that was kind of his like day job. And my mom would, um, and then at night they would, go to distribute newspapers yeah. and she helped him do that. And eventually she worked in Seven Eleven for several years. There's all those yeah. typical, <laughs> you know, yeah. all of that. And then, you know, I know we've, you know, touched on it, like not too much, but I know you experienced, you know, loss in your family at a young age. Yeah. My father passed away when I was 12. Do you, um, can you kind of talk about like how, that has impacted you, you know, at that age, like, what did that mean to you at such a young age? Um, I, I think, you know, going, going back to culture, it's very disorienting. Uh, he was definitely the patriarch of the family, right? He was a very strong, um, presence, his presence. He was five foot nine with a pot belly, but you know, he'd walk into a room and the room would fall silent. So my dad had a lot of presence and losing him really was, uh, it, it kind of scattered everything, all yeah. of the, our plans. And he was young. He was 56 when he died. Um, and it, it really kind of threw us into this, into the deep end to try to figure things out, to figure out what we were going to do and what that meant for us. It was, it was very, you know, obviously it was very sad. It was very dramatic, um, you know, at the time to have such young children and, and a young wife and, and to just, you know, be so sick and, Go. So it was really, it was a really tough time. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. Really that's just, that's, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Um, how did, was it something that you could have, like your family anticipated or was it, was it sudden? It was sudden. I mean, he, he was sick. He had severe coronary heart disease. He had, um, other issues, but it, it's always kind of sudden, yeah, isn't it? Even you if know, it is even if it isn't, yeah. you know, even if you, you have a, you, you're never prepared to hear that you're never prepared to um see them not you know not breathing not having life yeah. in them so that's it but it was sudden because he was so young and because we just were not ready for it yeah. in any way and we just you know had never imagined that that's what would happen did you have like an idea about death at 12 years old or was it just like no it was just it, that was very uh, a very kind of stark realization and a, a something i really didn't know what to do with he just suddenly wasn't there anymore you know it, um it's not that he you know he worked a lot so it's not he, he didn't have this like great presence that uh, and he didn't have a lot of um, we didn't get a lot of exposure to him because yeah. he was always working. Um, but but, you know, there is a certain umbrella. There's a certain protection that is in place when your father is there, especially the way that my father was. Yeah. And suddenly having that lifted feel, makes you feel very exposed to all of the elements. It's very cold. It's very mm. sad. And it's very scary, you know. So how did you, how did you, you know, you're 12, you know, going 13, 14, 15, 16, and even throughout high school, like, how did you deal with growing up without a father? Um, so there was a lot, you know, going, going through, um, growing up, we, you know, the way that any, uh, first generation family 
um, the things that they deal with, it's the, we deal with a lot of the same things. So there's a lot of stress for money. There's a lot of, of, uh, just tension to just survive. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, we purchased a house, there was a mortgage, all of those, those things, those bills were there. Um, and I don't know. And again, because I hadn't, I didn't have a, a I didn't have a, a great deal of time spent with him. It was more of what a lack of what he represented. So, um, it go, you said your question was, yeah, what, what you, was it like growing up? Well, not that. What do you mean? It was a lack of what he represented. What was a lack of what he represented? It, that security, oh, that okay. guidance, yeah. right. And that expectation it's all, it's a vision for, you know, so you don't have a, you haven't developed a vision for yourself at that point that the other person has it for you, hmm. right? He had a vision for me. Yeah. I had no vision for myself. Yeah. I was also dealing with a lot, uh, you know, there was, so there was a lot of um, tension in our household and there was a lot of, uh, of stress and, and, you know, fighting really. There was, it, it was a difficult, it wasn't, um, I wouldn't say like a perfectly healthy yeah, environment yeah. for, for, um, for kids, but they were just dealing with it in the best way that they knew how, <clears throat> and you don't realize that until a lot later. No. Um, but, uh, coming out of that, it, you know, it, it was very kind of, uh, just, you were throwing punches in the air, right. Just trying, trying to figure out what you're supposed to do, trying to, um, create some kind of vision for yourself or looking around to see where you can find some security. Yeah. You know, did you feel like alone when your dad died or did you kind of have, you know, your family to kind of talk about, talk about it? Or was it something like you just guys just didn't talk about? I think, um, initially there's, it's just like with any other, it doesn't really get hard until everything quiets down. So mm -hmm. initially there was a lot of, you know, people around us. There was a lot of support. There was a lot, of, it was frantic. And it, it, it wasn't until several months later when everyone kind of got back, everyone else kind of left and got back into their normal routines that you really start and, and the house quiets down and you suddenly look around and, and that's when you feel like, okay, you know, that's when you really feel their absence. So, um, it was, it was very lonely. Uh, I, I think I also felt very lonely again, because I had, I didn't have a strong relationship with my siblings. They were just, um, older than me and we just didn't relate. Uh, my mom had, my mom was a very good woman. She's a very strong woman, but she also <clears throat> lacked that vision as well. It yeah. really came from my dad. Mm -hmm. And so, um, a lot of it was just really, we were shaken and it was just trying to get reoriented. It was just trying to stand back up yeah. and we spent a long time trying to do that. Well, going through high school, like, did you ever experience like unwanted feelings like towards your mentor, like, you know, with depression or anything like that, <clears throat> that came from, um, the trauma of losing your dad at such a young age? Um, yeah, I think again, you don't recognize it as that at the time, but it was, it's this, um, disconnect from the things around you. It's this, this, it's just this like apathy, apathy towards your own life. This like, uh, not wanting to really do anything. Hmm. And I think that's where like the first parts of, of depression really, you know, those things really came through for me is when I started to really look at the reality of what slowly you begin to realize what, um, has happened and what, 
that really means. And that's when you, you know, I just kind of sank further and further. I got into a lot of trouble at school. You know, after that, I I just had a really tough time getting through Um, and not. And and again, it's like when that when somebody else's vision is so strong for you and it's taken away and you just are kind of floating through space. Yeah, with no direction and no one to really reorient you and put you back on a path and say, you know, we're headed this way. This is why this is important. You know, this is how this is going to affect you. There was no, um, there was no like cause and effect. Right. So, so there was no thinking of, there was no, um, understanding of what I'm doing now and how that's going to, and what that's going to mean for the future. I just, felt what I felt at the time. And I was just trying to my best to cope with that, to survive through that. So which direction did you end up going? Like, where do you, how do you, you know, navigate your way out this? Was there? Well, you know, um, so initially the first, you know, the, the years after, I would say the five or six years after my dad passed away were, it was just chaos, right? I don't, you know, I, I went out a lot or, or I, you know, if I didn't, if I wasn't allowed to go out, I snuck out. I figured it out. You're talking about high school? Maybe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I spent, you know, I skipped a lot of school. I uh, just got myself into a lot of trouble. And you know, again, at the time you kind of hate yourself for it and use, and you say, you know, this is just what I am, but you know, you realize later that there's a reason you are the way that you are. Yeah. So, um, it, so I did that for a while. I, I kind of, uh, I was starting to kind of get things back together a little bit around the age of like 18 or 19. I was starting to, you know, try to figure out how to, uh, deal with some of these issues that have been kind of embedded. Um, and then my family purchased a business and we, uh, and, and it really, it just, I, you know, I really threw myself into that. The so, business. Yeah. So we, what type, uh, of, what type of business did your family own? Is a, we had a retail store. Yeah. Um, we sold educational supplies for schools and to parents and teachers, homeschoolers and that kind of thing. So it was basically like an educational bookstore. Um, but we, you know, I was 19 when I took, when I took that over and I, and, and I think people don't realize what, what, even in a small setting, what it means to have, uh, to own a a business. And I I absolutely had no idea. So it was a pretty, it, it really, it's draws you completely in. Yeah. Real quick, Mega. So, you know, your senior year of high school, were you thinking about college or that was just kind of out the window? Well, there was some financial restraint, right? There was, we were um, just, you know, trying to keep the house, pay the mortgage, whatever. A lot of responsibility fell on my uh, oldest brother's kind of shoulders. He had to, and so there was, there was that, but I had also like, you know, like I was saying, I, I had gotten into, I just been, I was in a position where I could, I'm sure that I would not have gotten into, um, a college with any kind of scholarship. Uh, so it, you know, junior college was the next natural step and I was enrolled and I did, you know, I took some classes, but you know, I didn't have, I didn't have much time before we, we took the business, took the business. What was your role in the business? 
Well, um, uh, for, at 19 years old, at 19, it was, it was almost like, like, like buying, you know, when you buy like a board game <laughs> with your, <laughs> with your, uh, siblings, and you kind of open it up and you open yeah. all the pieces and you're yeah. like, what's this, what's this, uh-huh. bring out the rules. How do you play? How do we figure this out? Right. Yeah. It was almost something that we, you know, quote unquote, thought would be fun mm-hmm. and would be, you know, uh, exciting. And we we're all kind of, so, I, and then slowly over the next few years, I completely took over and I, you know, I, I, it was, it was really my business. You know, I, I, my mom did a lot in the first few years when, before she got sick, but she, um, but really it was everything. I did everything from, uh, marketing to inventory to HR, everything. How did you get to that point of taking over the business and, um, well, both, uh, you know, my brother, my oldest brother had his, he had a job and he had to have that job because, you know, business is not necessarily going to uh, yield a whole lot for you the first few years. So he, and we needed, you know, his stability of his income. So he had that. Yeah. And then, uh, my, my second brother had his own business. He had, a um, he did, you know, uh, home repairs and remodeling. So he was busy with that. And then really it was just me and my mom. Um, that had the time, you know, it's like, a, a again, it's a shiny new toy, right? It's yeah. not that shiny and new after yeah. a few years, it's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Once you get over that honeymoon phase, <laughs> yeah. it's like, shoot. Yeah. I'm it's kind of like, this is, this is work. Yeah. This is going to take a lot. What was, what was that like, you know, running your own business basically with you and your mom? It was everything. It was everything that you would imagine. It was exciting, but it was scary. Um, it was, uh, very stressful, very confusing, um, especially having no training. What, you know, one thing is that again, when, when your foundation is, is shaken the way that mine was, um, you have a hard time having confidence in what you're doing. So I constantly felt like I should know this, I should be able to figure this out, but really how, you know, with no training and with no, right. So I just, I, I've always been very good at pulling resources at problem solving. Yeah. So I would just, if something came up, I would just read and research and read and research and ask questions. And, and I made friends with other um, store owners across the, were not in competing markets across the country. I would call them and say, how do you deal with this? How are you handling this? You know, what are, you know, and I would just do a lot of, I just consumed small business yeah small business what did what did that motivation come from to constantly you know i imagine how many hours did you put in a day in that business oh man there were times you know there were times where you don't put in you you know you work eight hours whatever yeah. like normal but during the but we were a seasonal business so we we're very busy right before school started so there were I mean at that time it was like you you know you wake up you go to work you come yeah. home you go to sleep that's yeah. it you know the eighteen yeah. hours a day was nothing nothing abnormal yeah. I'm a believer in like when you're trying to trying to accomplish something or you're trying to do do something like you know have your own business at like. You need more than motivation because yeah. motivation is going to come yeah. and then it's going to go. Like you may watch a, a motivational video and yeah. pumped up for a second. All right, now you go work out. Yeah. But I think like it sounds like you were more driven in the aspect of where like it was sustainable. It was. It was a fight, right? I think it was. I didn't want to. Um, I, I don't like to ever feel like I can't figure something out. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, part of it is like your natural instinct. I really don't. I'm not, there's nothing that I can't figure out, Mm. you know, if I, so that is, I think something that's embedded in you with having parents, 
um, the kind of parents that I did, especially my, my father's influences small time as I had him in my life. He, I think he left a pretty, um, big mark. Why do you think that there's nothing that you can't figure out? Uh, I just, it's that, um, it, it comes from, look, you know, as a, as a kid in elementary school, right. And as somebody who can't make sense of, of things necessarily all around them, the one thing that I could do was be very good at school. Mm-hmm. I was very good at math. I was very, I was very sharp and in, in terms of learning things. So that was the only thing I really had that I felt like I had was my mind and my ability to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And there was at that time, and it actually, you know, I, I talked to you about this a lot because this is, you know, obviously through this podcast and just talking to you, you have this same kind of, you know, you, there was, there was a pushback, you know, when everything is pushing at you at that time, I had a lot of fight and, it, you know, I had a lot of, uh, um, I, I just, you know, I felt a lot of pressure from all sides yeah. and the only way to really survive is to push back as hard as you can on it. Yeah. Right. So I think I was just talking to, um, I did a podcast with, um, a former teammate of mine, Jose Duncan. And we just talked about like, you know, the big driving factors for him to, you know, get a scholarship and to get out of his circumstances. And he kept saying the same thing over and over again. He kept saying it was fear. Yeah. Like fear is what was driving him. Yeah. So do you think that you were kind of driven yeah, by fear a little bit? Sure, absolutely. It's terrifying. <laughs> when people ask you to make these very big decisions and you really don't know how, the first time you have to fire an employee that's 10 years older than you, yeah. you know, hey, go take two shots of tequila before I did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine, right? Having that yeah, conversation and, and, you know, just all of those things. It's, it, yeah, I think definitely fear. You're terrified of what will happen if you fail. I mean, those things I think are embedded in you as a, maybe from my perspective, and maybe this is, is, um, true for a lot of different people is, but as an Asian American and as, as a, a child of immigrants, right? Because there's that you see, even though you may not recognize what it is that you're seeing, but you see the work that they did mm-hmm. and you see what it took for them to, to bring you here. So you are motivated by that. And there is this del- almost delusional, um, you know, blind, you know, you put blinders on a horse yep. and it's just, you put your, you put your head down and you power through it, you know? And, 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 and there is also the vivaciousness of being in your early twenties of just being, you know, you have a lot of energy and you have a lot of push. And when you don't have a direction and this, this, these tasks are in front of you, then you put everything into what's in front of you. Yeah. It doesn't sound like you were at all defeated by, you know, your father's death. Um, That was disoriented. I think I was lost. uh, But I think I um, I didn't know what else to do. I felt, you know, other than I felt almost like a caged animal. Right. So you just lash back out and you say, no, I'm going to I'm not going to let this, you know, define it. Right. For sure. And so, I mean, just that transitioning from, you know, helping out with the family business and now being... And let me say this too. And there's this sense of idealism at that time in your life before... I will say, you know, I always hope that you keep what you have. And I tell, I've yeah, told you that yeah. before because there is this... Um, the way you see the world is... is It's full of uh, possibility. It's full of, uh, you know, you can do anything. And I think... Um, 
that is something that some people just have. Yeah. I think that also it's too, it's just like, it's shaping your perception <laughs> because to be an idealistic person, like it's, it's also knowing that, okay, the world is a crazy place, you know? There's people out there who think negatively and there's all this other stuff going around me. Yeah. But I have to control that by controlling what I believe and what I perceive. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I don't think, you know, with me, I be, I don't think that like the whole world is rainbows. I just know that the whole world is not rainbows. That's why I have to be an idealistic person. Right. And so it helps me get through that. And I definitely agree with you. Like, you know, being because I'm 20 years old. Yeah. You know, this is like when you were starting the business. So right. like technically yeah. like I'm at that phase when you were starting your business. Yeah. So I definitely know those feelings you feel just like yeah. anything is possible. There is that idealism and there is that understanding. But the good thing that I think the thing that's really important with you too is that you um, listen to other people, right? Mm-hmm. You say you do recognize the pain, you do recognize the bad. And then you say, well, this is how I'm going to respond. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you know, but also, you know, life throws these things at you that you, you, you know, you can find yourself in situations. And I mean, as we move on to like the next part of, of, um, what we're talking about, no, it's, no. it's, um, it throws you into these situations that you never could have imagined, you know? So, so there is, it's, it's definitely, yeah, there's an upward drive, but, um, there is also, then something can happen that can really, you know, sink you. And, and so to, to say, okay, yeah, there is negativity in the world, but I'm going to respond that way is really important. And it's just something to come back to because it's hard to keep that. It's hard to always keep that. For uh, sure. I remember just talking to you. Um, I think it was earlier last year and, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that like stuff happens for you, not to you in a sense where like, you know, I guess things happen to happen to you to so you can improve your life in a sense. Mm-hmm. And then when I heard your story and it was just like it really made me open to thinking like questioning more, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And questioning why things happen. Right. And I feel like it's so important to have you on this podcast because like life is not all about you know, rainbows and sunshine. Like there's some dark times that we go through as people and I, I don't have an explanation for that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's, so not a, to- it's not a linear, like upward drive. It's, it doesn't, you know, you are always learning something about yourself, about life. I know you, uh, you know, you say that and I always tell you, well, you know, I don't want to respond. I don't want to be on your podcast. It's not <laughs> cynicism, right? But I do think that there are some things that just happen that just suck. Yeah. I think as people, we just try to, we want to have that like story, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That like story, like this happened to me yeah. now, but um, okay, Megan, let's get back to a little bit about your story. So you have that business with your mom and I know you talked about your mom getting sick, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Why, what, what was going on with your mom? So um, the first, I would say like the first five or six years, five years or so, of, uh, she was, you know, she was coming in. She would help with the book. She did a lot. You know, she was probably our most um, consistent and hardworking employee. She was a very, she was very driven by the business. She loved the business, but um, her mind just, you know, my, my mom had uh pretty severe dementia. And so that, I don't know, you know, if you're not familiar with that disease, it doesn't just happen overnight. It's these small, tiny little changes and these signs at where um, you have to suddenly look at your loved one and start making decisions that they can't make for themselves. And that 
is a very slow process. Um, it, you know, you, the rules eventually reverse, but it starts with just something very small. Like, uh, you know, I don't, you know, maybe we don't, maybe you don't go to the store by yourself anymore. Cause last time, you know, something like this happened, she would go to the mm. gym. And I remember, you know, one day I got a phone call. She had fallen on the treadmill and wow. she had um, injured the fronts where your ankles are the fronts of your, of her legs there. And they were, I mean, it was very, very bad. Wow. Um, and so then it was like, okay, well now, you know, maybe you don't go to the gym by yourself, you know, well, one of your friends. So she had a friend that she would go with. And so it was all these like very, very small changes that, um, you don't, you almost don't really notice and you don't really know what's going on. Um, but uh, when you look back over the last year and the, you know, or the last two years, how she was two years ago to now, there are very stark differences in her and her abilities and what she's, um, what it, she's safe doing. So that it's a very, it's, it's a very strange disease. It's yeah. a, it's a very, it's very sad to watch somebody that is really like your, um, you is got, one of your pillars yeah. of strength. And then suddenly, uh, you know, you're, you're having to do things for them that, you know, you only, you always expected them to do for you. Yeah. So that, um, so I had the business for 11 years. I would say the first half of it, she was okay. Then um, she started to decline. And it was to the point eventually where she couldn't drive. We couldn't allow her to drive anymore. It was just wasn't safe. Um, her balance was thrown off. She had uh, the way that her disease worked is that she couldn't, she, she couldn't walk properly. So mm -hmm. she like lost her ability to, um, walk without falling down. She had a lot of, wow. a lot of falls. She broke her back several times. She had uh, multiple compression fractures. She had multiple other health issues and you just kind of take them one at a time. Right. But at the same time, when you look back at all of it, everything is different. So how did, how do you even begin to like make sense of what is happening <clears throat> in front of your own eyes? Uh, you can't, uh, you, you really can't. It's always, it's hindsight, right? Um, looking back, I could just, you know, of course you're like, well, everyone says if I could just go back and, and tell myself, um, you don't make sense of it. And when there's so much of it, it's, it's like being in the middle of, um, like a, a disaster, right? Yeah. It, it's, 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 but it's a very slow one. So you are still, you take all the actions, you shut down all, um, yes, time to time, your emotions catch up with you, but you shut all that down. And, and I, that's just the way I've always been, um, is, is to, to say, okay, well, here's this problem. This is what we're going to do about this. Here's this next thing. Here's what we're going to do about this. And you keep putting these like patches on and these like, um, you know, setting these broken limbs and, and, and these things that are falling apart with the, you know, not knowing and not seeing that the inevitable, uh, future is going to be, you know, that, that things are eventually, you're not going to be able to hold things together anymore. You can't patchwork everything, you know, when something it, it has its, its life cycle. And she just yeah. had a shorter one, you know, and she had a, a difficult one. Wow. So we just took it one problem at a time and, you know, one, one issue at a time. It's kind of, you weren't really looking at the end result. No, you can't. In the you can't. Yeah. It's it, you know, it, you just can't see that far at that time. You know, was it, it like it, you it, you refused to see that far? It just wasn't. 
I, I think it? that you, yeah, maybe there is a subconscious refusal, right? Because who wants to know that about their yeah. parent? Who wants to see that about their parent, right? That yeah. that's what's happening. But but like going back to the example of it being um, like being in the middle of a disaster, right? Mm-hmm. You have to you shut everything down and you just go into action. Right. So, so first responders and, you know, it's the same thing. You have to put everything aside and say, okay, this is this problem. How are we going to deal with it? This is this problem. How are we going to deal with it? Yeah. And so you get very good at that. Mm-hmm. Wow. I couldn't even imagine losing, losing my mom. That's, I couldn't even understand to bear, you know, what you felt at that time. Yeah. And I'm, I'll tell you, I mean, not to sound dramatic. I am kind of a dramatic person, but I'm not, not to sound that way, but I'll tell you, it, it it's, it's everything you imagine and it's worse, mm. you know, there, there, it, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard to do to, uh, I, and everybody has their, their own experience for some people. And they might say, you know what, you know, at least she's not in pain anymore. At least it's not this anymore. And they just move on. It just, I think it, part of it depends on where you are in your life yeah. and, and how much you've been able to develop kind of your brain chemistry to um, cope with these kinds of things and how much you have to fall back on. Right. Because you have when you when when you fall, you if you fall on to support, you're going to have a lot less injuries and a less recovery time than if you're falling onto pavement. Right. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. what you have underneath you to kind of keep you safe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's it's pretty it's devastating. I don't think that you ever um, get past it. I think you just figure out ways to carry it with you and still function. Yeah. Towards the end of her illness, were you able to, you know, like spend a lot of time with her? Were you able to be with her by her side? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, towards the very like acute end of her illness, especially we, you know, I stopped everything. I I stopped doing anything and I just, you know, spent when she was in hospice, I would spend as many nights as I could just sleeping in bed with her. Um, just spending as much time and you know we were able to really i guess in that sense we were lucky enough to like be able to feel her life for you know several weeks before yeah, yeah. how did your how did your siblings and you know the rest of your family deal with so it was drama? actually a very traumatic time for my family because my um my oldest brother you know he had by that time he was married he had his children <clears throat> and his wife kind of um but my younger brother was going through some pretty severe um, issues with just his own health and his uh, and he he got himself into some trouble. He got hurt real bad um, right around that time. And it was and we almost actually lost him, too. So he um and, and that all of that happened simultaneously, right? Every, all of it happened at the same time. So uh, literally while she was in one hospital, he was in another. What? Um, did, was it a mental thing? Or? He had, to, yeah, he has some mental health issues. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he injured himself and he uh, wasn't even, you know, he wasn't able to spend the last few days of her life with her um, because he was, he was in the hospital. So imagine, you know, wow. waking up in the morning and having to choose which family member to go see wow. that day. Your right? brother was in critical care. He was in critical care, yeah. Wow. Yeah. He had to have emergency surgeries. It was pretty bad. Wow. I, you know, it was very it was very dramatic, right? You wake up and you you wake up from into a nightmare, you know? 
And, and all you can do is just, you can't even really cry. You know, you just have to, don't even yeah, you have to you. get up and you have to go through the motions. You have to get dressed. You have to eat. You have to remind yourself that you have to eat. Right. I mean, it's just you're because your mind is in a completely disconnected place and there's so much to have to be done that you, you just don't have the luxury of feeling. How old were you at this time? I was, um, it was just a couple of years ago. So I was, uh, this was out two years after. So put, to put it into context, um, she had got started getting sick. And then the, the last five or six years of the business, she wasn't able to do much. I still had the business. Eventually I closed this, I closed the store. Um, and I, uh, the two years after I was 31 at the time. And I, um, the two years after that, I went back to school. I started to kind of get things in order and started to kind of build the things that I wanted for my life. But she, then she became very sick. He also was becoming sick at the same time. So two years later is when it all kind of came to head. So that was, I was 33 at the time that she passed away and that, that happened with him. Wow. So, wow. So, so, you- so let me, so what I want to, um, I want to say is, so you go from saying, okay, you know, you have all this push, you have all this fight, you have a lot of things, but there were a lot of unresolved issues that I was carrying throughout that entire time, you know, from childhood on, there was just a lot of trauma, a lot of difficulty that I just had never worked through, but I had, I still had that push and that drive and I still survived through, you know, having that business and figuring things out and we were running and doing, you know, we, we did, we did very well. And, um, I, uh, but when that happened, um, when she, when, when everything kind of came to head and, and kind of just erupted and our family really just kind of, you know, everything that I had had, had just kind of fell apart. I think that's when a lot of these things, the way that, um, when, you know, you drop a bomb in, into like murky water and everything starts to boil up, I think, you know, suddenly, it was all of that became uh came to surface all wow. of those things yeah. yeah wow wow so we can talk about that i so i um i just i'm just like it's just it's crazy like how do you even like wake up in the morning like, how do you survive through all that how do you like wake up and put one foot in front of the other and like deal with this reality that like okay my mom's gone my father passed away when i was younger dealing with my brother like, how do you even have the grit to want to wake up in the morning? Um, I mean, for for a long time, you know, I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I After all of that happened, I, I think I really fell into, like, the darkest place in my life that I've ever, ever experienced in, in a way that I just really didn't think I would or could feel anymore. But, you know, life will surprise you. Yeah. So um, I didn't. I didn't feel... Uh, I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to do anything and I didn't care about anything. And I still kind of don't care that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you care. You care a little bit. I know you. I, know I care you. a little bit. I care a little bit about something. <clears throat> so like what was, what was some of the things like running through your head that just kind of kept you, you know, from waking up, you know, from, you know, I'm sure your mind took you to some pretty dark places. Like what kept you afloat? Oh, God, it was just the, it, I'll tell you, it was just the decision to not die that day. Yeah. It was just, it wasn't even a decision. Honestly, sometimes it was just because I was too sad to 
go through the action of doing that and what that would entail. And, you know, wrapping up my, my, my final, uh, making sure that my finances are in order and that my stuff is taken care of because I don't want anyone to have to deal with that. Um, and, and I just, even my, I'll tell you in some ways your, your depression will save you because you can't even conjure the, the strength to go and through to make a plan and follow through with it because you're just, you're like, forget it. You know, I don't even care. And, and and just doing that, going to, you know, whatever method you'd choose, right. Obtain a gun, whatever, you know, write the, the letters, do the, whatever the last things are. You can't even do that because you just don't want to, you don't want to walk out of a dark room. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a very dark place. It's a, you know, it's, and it's all kind of in the aftermath, right? The destruction is, is always in the aftermath, right? It, in the, in, during the time that that can be very, almost it's a high yeah. in the same way that, you know, if you drop an atomic bomb on something, there's going to be a bright, there's going to be explosion. There's going to be a bright light. There's going to be a lot of like energy expelled, but it's in what, when everything settles and that's when you can see the the destruction that yeah. has occurred and that is it that happened after yeah. right i had a friend actually that came to see me and said you know what is going on you went from from being the person that was helping everybody to being the person that needs help and i you know it it's because you know when you finally it's the same thing as I said about, um, with my dad, it's like during the time that the few weeks after whatever, few months after even we had support, we have help. It's when everything quiets back down is when you, you look at what has occurred and then, and that is when you, you fall into in darkness. Yeah. 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 I'm interested to know, like specifically, like how did you get out of this dark place? Like, how did you start to recondition your mind to maybe not like completely getting out of it, but like thinking, okay, like I don't want to commit suicide. Like, so, I don't want to yeah. end my life. Like I actually do want to wake up. I'll tell you, I'm, I, I mean, this is why I was, uh, when we had kind of um, started talking about this idea of, of talking on, on here is, um, I don't think I'm completely out of it now. Yeah. I don't, I think every day I make that decision to say that, you know, today I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna live through today. I'm gonna, you know, build no. something, you know, me, do maybe, something today. maybe me and like a lot of, a lot of people think that like, like mental, mental illness from something like a traumatic experience is just something you just get over with. And it's right. something that's just like, because you're your doing, toughness will carry yeah. you through, right? You power through. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. But it's like, you just get through it and it's gone. But right. I guess it's it's never really gone. Right? Well, because you don't know what I I used to think the same thing, I, and I still I I do believe that that it 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 it's very important. Yeah. But um, like I was saying, like I said in the beginning, you just don't know what life is going to throw at you, and sometimes it's so heavy and it's so hard that it really knocks you down, you know. And um, a lot of those those things that you, you know, mental toughness and those, those things that you think about are, they, they are not, it's not that they're not there, but they change. They evolve over, you know, over time with the way that you, th- you're, you're, if you want something 
And if you want to get somewhere, I feel like you have to constantly be open to evolving your mind. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I think about um, tragedy now is I don't think of it as something that or or I think about a, a difficulty now is I don't think of it as something that I power through. I think of it as something that you experience. You let it you know, you want, you let it go through you. Hmm. You have to let it go through you. You can't pierce through it. Cause that's what it did over and over and over again. And you, what happens is that it's still there. You have, all you've done is bore a hole through it, but you haven't taken it apart. Yeah. You know, you haven't, um, processed it. You just keep, you know, kind of powering through it. And some things really do need to be powered through, but a lot of things also need to be, addressed. They need to be looked at. And, and the, you know, if you build, okay, if you build something out of the parts of, of smaller parts of something else, right? Let's say you build like a Lego tower, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's still, you're still only, um, as strong as, as the, uh, as each individual part is. And if, and if one of those parts crumbles or falls apart, you're, your tower is going to fall apart. Yeah. When you take everything down to its very basic element and you take it apart to the, the, the atomic structure, right? And you build it from that. I mean, who? there's no part of that that can be taken apart. There's no part of that that the entire thing is, is, sol- is a solid structure. So mm-hmm. when you have to... Um, you know, when you have things that are in your mind, in your life that are lingering, you have to work through them completely, and you have to, uh, you can't just power through them with positive. You can't keep pouring positive um, motivation. And, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of the things that you, uh, you know, a lot of the things I yeah. hear you listen to. I, I listened to them for years and they got me through some really tough times. Yeah. And and it's not that it's wrong. But again, my thought process has changed yeah. now. Right. Because there are times where you can't, you cannot just throw motivation back at, at, at something you have to, to look at it and take it apart and you have to, um, rebuild yourself completely. Like you can't delude yourself basically. Well, I don't want to say that cause yeah. I don't want to call you delusional <laughs> yeah. cause I don't think no, you I just, are. I think, I think mean, you're responding, yeah, you know, yeah. you're responding in yeah. a very positive way to some, you know, things yeah. that may not have been completely I'm not positive. even talking about just my life. I'm just trying to, you know, yeah. sum up kind of like what you well, yeah, kinda, you know I mean, what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I, For I, someone who is dealing with, you know, yeah, and not just specifically about you, but like, you know what I mean? It, it, you as an example, it, yeah, it, it, it's sometimes you need delusion. Yeah. Sometimes you, you have to do that in order to just survive. You know, people, uh, go through difficult times and they kind of, um, you know, they disassociate, right. And they get, they go into a happy place to start doing a weird, like, you know, bit delusion. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's song and weird. dance. But listen, sometimes you need that. Sometimes yeah. you have to have that. Uh-huh. But at other times it, it's like when the whole cave collapses, right. You have to, um, say, okay, you know, I need to go through this brick by brick yeah. and I need to really um, work like process through some things that that are, are there. So I, I think um, it's really important to recognize uh, when something keeps occurring over and over and over again in your mind, then that thing needs to be addressed. You know, and if yeah. you have to constantly be motivating yourself through the same problem over and over, then just remove the problem. Yeah. Work through the problem and yeah. then you can take your motivation to other things. Yeah, um. Yeah. Does that um, make sense? No, it definitely makes sense, and I hear you, and I agree with you completely. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to talk about like what, if any, like, are there any like, 
you know, tangible things that you like specifically did that maybe you could, you know, talk about to other people that got you out of this point, like out of this dark place that helps you get out of the dark place? Yeah. I remember um, there just being a day where, you know, I had just really hit my all time low and I, um, and I just remember saying, okay, either die, but if you're not going to die, then you have to do something because you, because this is worse than dying. Yeah. So, I uh, I just made a phone call. I, I picked up the phone and, and it was just somebody had presented to me at the time that my mother had passed away a, a sheet of paper with some phone numbers that said, look, you know, if you're having a hard time, call here. We'll see what resources are available. I called and um, and I said, you know, I think this is what I think something's going on. At the same time, it, you know, you have to understand how difficult it is to be, have accurate self-perception um, because that narrative talking to someone and telling them what is going on can really bring a lot of clarity. I think that's why, you know, therapy works. Um, so I, you know, I, and, and you have to lay down the facts. You have to lay down the entire story for somebody and let, and, and get that out of your head and let them process it through their experience and, and what they know and their perspective and tell you, you know, and, and receive that feedback that, Hey, you know what? This is actually pretty messed up. And there is a reason you feel this way. And there is a way that we can navigate you, you know, navigate through this. And so, I mean, that was really just that, that phone call was really just like the catalyst, I would say, you know, and then things just, um, started to, but every day started to kind of, I won't say fall into place, but, but started to, I started to kind of pull myself out of, like you started to see a little bit more hope. I won't say that, um, I forgot what I was going to not say. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, but. So yeah, therapy, therapy is kind of, are just well, like, it, just you know, it starts, it giving starts someone with, it starts with, yeah, yeah. It starts with just dictating, you know, and taking an inventory of all of the things that, um, that you're, are inside of your mind and getting them outside of yourself first. Mm, okay. Right. Just saying, okay, you know, these problems, cause you, you don't realize necessarily, but the, the problems that you're facing are often the same kind of come from the same root, but they take on different faces. Explain. So, so, um, you know, you might say, well, you know, I have a real tough time with motivation and, and, and as you kind of go back and work your way backward from that problem, you can, you know, um, you can kind of recognize where a lot of those things come from the Mm, same place. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you, it's like an unraveling Mm -hmm. of this like jumble of thoughts in your head. You can't think clearly when all of this is swimming around in your mind all the time. Yeah. So you have to put it down. You have to, you know, so a, a, a lot of these things that people say, um, are, are the same things, you know, when, when you say, well, I'm, I'm feeling this way. Um, the human condition is nothing new Ta- you know, discussions about happiness date back to the very beginning of when anything has been documented. I mean, you know, Socrates to, uh, you know, and life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Why is that? always been the human condition yeah right mm-hmm. so that you, you know there is so this is the part that's a little bit cynical is like you are not really all that different and you know it's a, your existence is a blip in time 
if you operate on the axiom that the world is round, there is a universe, you know, if you, you have to agree yeah, on a uh-huh, few laws, uh-huh. right? But once you do that, you um, realize that these problems have been there for a long time and the research has been done a lot. You know, a lot of people have experienced what you experience. So when you find reoccurring themes, right? So I did, I would Google because I just didn't, I couldn't, I didn't want to feel like that anymore. So I would say, okay, well, what are the, and so the top 10 depression articles, top 10 anxiety articles will tell you there's about six common things, exercise, hmm. um, eat right, okay. meditate and yoga, okay. right? Uh, put, do something creative um, and learn and, you know, that's five, but I'm sure there's one more, right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. There's I think therapy was a sixth one. Therapy, yeah, yeah. Dictate, yeah. right? Yeah. Create a narrative of your story uh-huh. so you can organize your thoughts. Okay. So um, those things, if you, it's really hard to start doing them, but if you do them, there is a difference. Yeah. Right? There, th- things, things start to kind of change because, again, you know, you're not that different than other people. Yeah. You know? So, so I started with that. I started with calling somebody and saying, you know what? I think I need some help. And then we went from there to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And I, I will still say like, I still struggle with it today, but I will. Did but that, that help just but, maybe even a little bit with yeah. those six things? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's <laughs> the doing of them. That's the hardest part is no. the actual, you know, getting up and getting your shoes on no. and getting outside. It's like getting up and, yeah. you know, putting book, uh, yeah. books in a backpack and doing some squats in them. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the quarantine virus. Yeah. But, um, and, and, um, so sorry, I don't want to take no, up too much time, no, but, but, uh, I will say it's, Depression is, is, um, so there's this like a star, right? It can either shine outward and be bright, but a star also has a capability of completely collapsing into like infinite gravity into, so what depression does, so, you know, but, but both are stars, right? So what, what it does is it, it makes you collapse into yourself. It, 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 um, shortens your perspective and Mm -hmm. it closes it in, it closes in your thoughts to believe that there really isn't, you don't see possibility anymore. You don't see anything but darkness. Right. And, uh, I would say um, that is the most dangerous thing is when you stop seeing possibilities. Uh, I hate that depression happens like that, but I love the analogy you just used. Yeah. Like that really yeah. that sums it up. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, You're still a very people. powerful thing yeah. either way. But in one, you know, you shot, you, you know, you're outward, there's light, there's uh, life. Right. You know, we have life because we have a son. Otherwise, none of this would be able to be to exist. Mm -hmm. So um, but in the same way, that same thing can be very, very um, disorienting and dark. So, yeah. So, you know, Mega, I'm going to just say like the podcast, this podcast that we just did, this is probably going to be the best podcast I ever recorded. Oh, honestly, thank you. like <laughs> I will say, I do want to say, I do want to touch on one thing that you asked me the other day. I don't know if you um, still wanted to talk about it, but you did say, you said, what advice would you have for somebody that has a family member that's dealing with it? I will say that a lot of, um, um, you know, Western therapy is important, and I think there's a lot of merit to it. But I think if um, a lot of times you can't. And 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 I'll, when we live in America, there there's there's you say, resources. You say dealing with like mental illness and suicide. Yeah, and you like have that. a family member yeah. you said or, or a friend or yeah. somebody close mm-hmm. to you, right? Um, 
and and I think that 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 is definitely um, like step one or a a very important part of it. But I will also say that just like not necessarily because what happens is that everything becomes very overwhelming. Just having lunch becomes oh god, I gotta gotta go there. I gotta get get out of the fridge. I gotta open the grocery. I gotta cut stuff. I gotta make stuff. Oh my god, it's so. I think if you can, um, one, I would say one thing that's really important is to just show them possibility that there is possibility. Maybe, you know, just get your shoes on and get out of the house and see something. Nature is really good at, at showing you, um, the cycle and your, your place in the world Mm. and, and just show them some, you know, if you can show them some possibility, definitely get them help, um, as far as, you know, therapy, but also, you know, and anything that's unsaid between you and them, make sure, you know, I just don't leave important things unsaid. Yeah. Right. But I, I think that's the most important thing is, uh, is, is just showing somebody possibility. Cause I think that's what happens is you lose your perspective on, on, you know, actually things can feel good yeah. and things can be important and they can be important to you. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. no, that's awesome. Thank you for that mega. Um, yeah. let me ask you one last question. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being where you're at now, you know, two questions, do you see light at the end of the tunnel and you know, where do you see yourself you know, at that end of the tunnel, like once you've touched that light? Huh. Um, well, you're assuming that <laughs> I see the light. No, yeah. I, I don't necessarily, I'll say I, I don't, it's not a tunnel um, as much as it is just like a dark space. I don't necessarily see, oh, there's this big shining light at the end. But what I see is these small holes, right? Where light comes in. In the same way, like the universe has light, right? When you yeah. look on, uh, uh-huh. I see these small, like, um, things that trigger a feeling in me, right? When I see, um, you know, with, with dogs, right? I always talk about dogs and kids are like the only good people in the world. But, uh, <laughs> when, you know, I see little bits of something that sparks something inside of me that, yeah. that I'm, and, and there's a lot of them, but yeah. they're very small and they're very faint and they're far away. So you, you know, I am in a whole pursuit to get a little bit closer. Yeah. And uh, so if that answers your question, no, it does. and then um, as far as where do I see myself at the end of it, I think uh, that is, is uh, just like the other things I said, it's, it's ever evolving. <clears throat> One thing that it, I've, I've, because I, I've gone through this, this experience that I'm starting to learn now is the importance of having a vision, right. And kind of constructing a vision. It is always going to change, but I think I'm starting to see where, um, where I want to go. And, I, I, you know, I think I, I would like to find some peace, yeah. right. And I'd like to, to wake up and, and not make that decision to live every day. And maybe, you know, you're going to have that those days, but maybe like have more days in between where I just know that I'm going to, that yeah. I want to, um, and just finding a place where I can feel, you know, my, my, heart and my like heartbeat can feel like it's at a consistent pace mm-hmm. instead of feeling up and down and everywhere right yeah, yeah. Well, let so me peace say, yeah. i think peace is is where peace of mind yeah let me say that you no know, you are extremely courageous for for even you know trying to get out of your circumstances for wanting to you know what i'm saying for yeah. even being willing to 
just say that that happened and to be able to realize that this is your reality and then to just it's life you know i gotta get by yeah. you know what i'm saying and that's yeah. I, it's hard for me to say i could do that you know given the same experiences yeah. you know what i'm saying and you know through all this tragedy like you're still a very positive person Thank you. you're cynical in, in some ways <laughs> but you're still a very positive person like i can feel your positive energy you know whenever i'm around you yeah. and so that's why i said in the beginning like um it's it, i couldn't even i couldn't tell that you know you've been through all of that you know when you brought that up i was like what yeah wow and then you kind of it starts to like click you know okay but you know from the outside looking in like i could have never have guessed you know yeah. what i'm saying and i think that's why i have so much respect for you because you don't you don't try to give off that negative energy of like your past to other people you know what i'm saying it's right. just it's you but it's not you're not putting it on other people and yeah. I feel like that's that's amazing from I, you. And, I think um, you really thank you. Um, but I I think you really start to realize that a couple of things um that are cliches and they're cliches for a reason. Yeah. Uh, which is you really don't know someone else's struggle. You have no idea. So I always, you know, try to look at everybody and give them the benefit of the doubt. Some people don't deserve it, but you know, you just get rid of them. Yeah. You know, it's a small transactional loss and yeah. then you just don't keep them in your life. But yeah. Um, but really you just don't know, yeah. you know, so I try to not bring my shit into somebody else's yeah. space. Yeah. You know? Well, um, let me end this by saying that, you know, mental health is, is crippling. It, it's serious. And, you know, if you've dealt with it, you've experienced it. I hope you can learn at least one thing from the story that Megan shared here today and maybe apply it to your life. If not apply it to someone you love in your life who may need to hear this, spread this podcast, um, suicide hotline, 1-800-273-8255. And just know that, that there, there is hope. There is hope for you. And, um, thanks for coming on mega. Yeah. Hope and possibility. Yes. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.